two-bedroom apartment on the west side of Los Angeles, it's Ion Film! Tonight, we've got Joe Spencer and Stoker. Mature Aroma, you chose a good year on this week's familial episode. Well, hello and welcome to another exciting episode of High on Film, sobering talk about movies, episode 232, here, still at the beginning of season six on High on Film, your uh, friendly neighborhood podcast. No, uh, welcome to the show. My name's Chris Maxwell. We choose guests, they choose movies, and then uh, this next hour of um, talk and, and games and fun and general Points of interest ensues, and I just I just love it, and I hope you do too. Let's get to, what should we do? Oh, how about the movie we watched today? Today, we watched Stoker, from 2013, directed by Chanwook Park, written by Wentworth Miller, um, from the director of Old Boy, and uh, the writer from Prison Break. How about that? The guy who's in Prison Break wrote this familial... Drama, suspense drama. Uh, you know what? I know who to ask. He's the co-host from the couch. He is the walking Kevin Bacon game. One of Earth's mightiest heroes and uh, the Brad Davis that God gave us. He is my co-host and friend. The man right to my left. It's Brad Davis. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brad. What's going on? Oh, not much. Welcome back to the studio. Of course, uh, our last episode, you were across the United States of America. 3,000 miles away. I, in cold Pittsburgh. In cold Pittsburgh. Welcome back to cold, rainy Los Angeles. <laughs> well, co- relatively speaking, cold. That's fairly cold. I got a sweater on today. Well, it, compared to Pittsburgh, it was like 15 when I left Pittsburgh. I'm not here to to measure snow. Okay. <laughs> a snow measuring contest. <laughs> I, was, I was talking about no, temperature. I know, but I was doing like a dick measuring contest. Ah. Snow measuring contest. Well, that's actually kind of fitting for this movie. I, uh, innuendo. Uh, innuendo is fitting. Okay, yeah, it's true, actually. Okay, thank you. What kind of what? <laughs> Already off the rails. What Perfect. Uh, genre do you think this fits in? Familial suspense drama. Um, definitely suspense would be. I mean, it has a Hitchcockian feel to it. So I would, and I kind of label most Hitchcock movies suspense. So I'm mean, certainly familial would. Sure, that, that wasn't really... No, that I mean, that's kind of not a genre. Uh, but I, I would label suspense drama, but mm-hmm. mostly suspense. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I, we recently just watched Killing of a Sacred Deer, another Nicole Kidman vehicle. Uh, and that, I think, borders on horror. And uh, this has some similar elements. I guess nothing uh, potentially supernatural. No, but that doesn't necessarily have to be horror. No, that's true. Uh... I will probably wouldn't call this horror, but okay. that's just me. Yeah, no, I just wanted to throw that out there, see if we could uh, maybe churn up some uh, new things here. Yeah, yeah. like they, people say Get Out is horror, and I think that's more suspense. Interesting. Well, you know, Hitchcock often ran that line uh, between horror and suspense, and you mentioned this is quite Hitchcockian. In fact, uh, pretty uh, evocative of Shadow of a Doubt. Very much so. In fact, you, uh, two of the main characters are both called Uncle Charlie, about an estranged uncle who comes to town, uh, does some whistling in both movies, and uh, yeah, is suspected of um, evil doings. I won't go into too much, because we have whole segments to explain this movie, but uh, let's get to our guest before we go any further. I think that's probably a good idea. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's what we do here. 
He is the writer and director of some horror shorts, and he is the a first-time guest here on High on Film. We are so excited to have him, and I have so many questions as to why exactly he picked this film. Joe Spencer is here. Welcome to the show. Good to be here, guys. Hello, Chris. Hello, Brad. Uh, thanks for coming on, Joe. Glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, so, uh, Stoker, what drew you to this movie? Is it just the general oddity of it? Is it the uh, Chanwick Park? Is it Was it uh, Mia Wachowski and um, Nicole Kidman? Um, you know, I guess <clears throat> I, saw, I saw Stoker like maybe about a year after it came out by myself. And I think that probably was a big influence. If this was a movie watched with anybody, there's a lot of scenes that are very easy to just kind of want to talk about right in the middle of as we're going to get to. Chan Luke Park, I love him from the minimal exposure I've seen of him. Uh, I was very surprised that Wentworth Miller was the writer of this movie, as I recently found out on the second viewing. The You, you both know him as Prison Break. I know him personally as Captain Cold. And Wentworth Miller also wrote uh, what I would call an erotic thriller is what I would call it. I think that might be the main reason why I picked Stoker, was that. Um, I'm a huge fan of Brian De Palma. Oh, um, that makes sense. A lot of voyeuristic uh, tendencies in this film, for sure. Very voyeuristic, yes. I, I completely, yes. Uh, the, the, the weird... God, the weird family. Just the bizarre family. I love a good story about a weird kinship, especially when you're kind of rooting for them. Even though it's like the killer is the lover in this and she's the hero but then do you feel okay about the hero victoriously killing a sheriff at the end and that's supposed to be her rite of passage you know i love how it flips it a little bit and, and it's a story about a sociopath coming to terms with that the fact that she's a sociopath and i that's kind of why i like it i guess i love i love movies about the bizarre uh, where it's like oh we're gonna take we're gonna take the psycho's opinion here and see where he thinks something's right or wrong it's interesting <laughs> to me yeah. yeah, I mean, and certainly in line with a lot of uh, Park's work that I've seen, Old Boy uh, and Handmaiden from, I believe, last year, which was one of more, my more favorite films of that year. Um, yeah, usually it has some dark, uh, semi-erotic twists, which is funny enough that Wentworth Miller's now diving into something erotic. <laughs> uh, but hey, that's neither here nor there. Let's get into our first segment, huh? It's called Trash, Star, Destroy. We give you three movies of a similar ilk, uh, we ask that you trash one, which means it's eliminated from existence. No one has ever seen it. You get to star in one, in whatever role you'd like to take for yourself. And then the third movie, of course, must be destroyed. Which means that the only version that has ever existed has been both written and directed by Mr. Michael Bay. Of 13 Hours Secret Soldiers of Benghazi fame. <laughs> so... Thank you for saying the full title. Of course. I always say the full title, <laughs> Brad. When have I ever shorted the I just title? don't know if I've ever thanked you for it. <laughs> that might be true. Otherwise, I wouldn't know what you were talking about. Yeah. yeah. It could be any type of 13 Any 13 hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, as we mentioned, this is a movie about a uh, estranged uncle coming back home. So let's do three movies about a long-lost uncle that uh, returns to... You know, find his family again, I guess. I hope um, you have three prepared because, goddamn. I do have three prepared, <laughs> right? This is, our, this is our shadow of a doubt uh, memorial category, I'll say. So we'll do um, The Adams Family, 
in which Fester returns uh, home to Gomez and Morticia. Wow. That was the vehicle, the plot line for that yeah. movie, wasn't That's it? That's like yeah. the whole thing. Completely, like, wouldn't even yeah. ever think about that to compare that Adam's family. That's yeah. genius. And Dan Hedaya is trying to steal their gold oh. or something, yeah. Something like that. He gets so pouty with that chicken noodle soup, remember? Yeah. He swirls around <laughs> the chicken noodle soup and gets all pouty. I remember thinking, like, I want some fucking chicken noodle soup. Isn't there something, like, haunted in it or something or gross? No, that's later on. That's, oh, that's, that's later on. That's okay, grandma's yeah, yeah. soup. Mm, like, right, likes. right. Yeah. It looks more like grits. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do the movie we just watched, Stoker. All right. And uh, probably the newest of this category, uh, we'll do Star Wars uh, The Last Jedi. When uh, Uncle Luke finally returns home <laughs> to see his nephew Kylo. <laughs> or Ben Solo. <laughs> This is an unfair list. <laughs> this will also work the first time we actually talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi on the podcast, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah. Work that in there. We've been suspiciously <laughs> quiet for two weeks about Star Wars The Last Jedi. <laughs> Uh, well, come on. I mean, like, I'm not sure how you would interject it with reindeer games last time, so I, that makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Like yeah. And it's a, did I see Star Wars by the time? Yes. Yes. I had to see Star did. Wars by the time we recorded Reindeer Games. Let it be known that Star Wars The Last Jedi has more in common with Stoker than Reindeer Games. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, actually. Maybe. Well, that's probably true. Uh, okay, so yeah. Trash Star Destroy. Adam's Family. Stoker. The Last Jedi. Brad? I... Hmm. I mean, I probably need to star in The Last Jedi just because... A, to work with Ryan Johnson, and B, I mean, to be in a Star Wars movie is kind of, I, I mean, iconic. Like, that's a... Sure. I don't have to tell you. Um, so I guess I would star in The Last Jedi. I'd probably... Uh, maybe I'd take the Oscar Isaac role. Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. Roguish pilot. Although I would like to work with Oscar Isaac, but that's a fun role. So I think I'll do that and set myself up good for the for the upcoming for nine. Mm -hmm. um, so then it's Stoker or Adam's family. Adam's family. Oh, shit. Um, Wish I could snap better. Uh, I do too. Uh, <laughs> oh, snapping. <laughs> I guess I would maybe trash Stoker. Uh, actually, no. Scratch that. I'm gonna trash Adam's family. Whoa! And because I am just so interested to see what Michael Bay does with this kind of movie, <laughs> it's gonna be a fucking mess. And I kind of look forward to that. Adam's family probably actually plays into his hands better, but I'm more interested to see what kind of train wreck Michael Bay's Stoker is. Yeah. Although I mean, we still get. Uh... Adam's family values in this world. That's true. Unfortunately. But I do imagine, not remember that. Can you imagine Matthew Good gardening to like Aerosmith's Sweet Emotion? Because that would have to happen. <laughs> that Michael would be hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I actually, you're talking me into what Brad wants to do here. <laughs> Joe, what are you doing with these three movies? You know, it's, it's I'm sitting over here and I'm doodling around and, and I want to, I want to do, I, I just don't want to be in a world where Stoker doesn't exist as is. So I think I'm going to say, just to be bold here and be the third party, I'm going to trash Star Wars, and we're going to Michael Bay Adam's Family, because that's going to be a fun little ride. That will, will be. That's nice. <laughs> I am excited for that. Glad you guys like that. And I guess, you know, let's just do a full-on swap here. I will be Mia Wachowski, and Stoker is what I'll be. Oh, uh, nice. I will reign my own destiny, and I will... I will 
be in control of my killing urges. Thanks mm. to Dylan, Dylan. What's his name? Matthew Good. Uh, Matthew, no, Matthew Dermot, Good. Dermot, 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 no, no, no. Dermot, it's, it's not Dermot, who you think it is. It's Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. Yes, Dermot R- Mulroney. We've yeah. already not encountered Dylan McDermott. Yes. We've already encountered the paradox. Yes. It's, it's already happened here on the podcast. Yes. I knew it was going to happen the second I knew he was starting in this. It was bound to happen. It's yes. bound to happen anytime someone brings up one or the other person. 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's like the Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton thing. Yeah, I argue worse. This one? Yes. Yes. This one's mistaken more, for sure. I, I didn't yeah. even know there was a Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton thing. There is. A lot of people don't know which one's in which movie. <laughs> Hudson, sir. He's Hicks. <laughs> yeah, there Sorry. you go. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think I'm think going to go with Brad. I'll, I'll let Michael Bay do Stoker and see what happens. Uh, and what, you're going to start a Star Wars movie? Yeah. What a surprise. But I'm not going to recast myself midway through a trilogy like you did. Oh, I'm a dick. So I'm not saying you're a dick. I'm just saying that you're messing up the continuity. <laughs> I apologize. I'm going to take Benicio Toro's part, who I didn't particularly care for in the movie anyway. Uh, and I imagine has a bigger role in the next one. So, boom. There's a snap. There's one of them. I can't do two in a row. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And that's trashing Adam's family, leaving only the beloved comic and the sequel, Adam's Family Values, which I remember being somewhat racist because isn't Wednesday in like a Native American headdress yeah, at some point? Yeah, but you know what? She yeah. protests the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, she does, but yeah, still yeah. dons the Native garb. Sure, but she kind of, I feel like she makes up for it. She yeah, right. she, I think yeah. she dons it to kind of mask what she's about to do if I remember I haven't oh, seen it oh right, right yeah stop we cannot break bread with you yeah 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 <laughs> oh that's right yeah, I should go back and rewatch Adam's Family Values I remember it actually being those two movies kind of being on par with one another as far as an original and a sequel like both Absolutely. pretty damn good yes. but also haven't seen either of them in a long time so you got the same cast coming back you got the same director coming back it's a completely... Oh, God, and Pubert, come on. Good stuff. And I believe, isn't, isn't the Hammer version of Adam's Family for values? No, that's the original. for values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that no. MC Hammer song, I believe. That is the original. Uh, it isn't, it's too legit to quit, and right. it's when Cousin It is showing up for Fester's uh, babushka. Uh, mamushka is what it is. It's in the original Adam's Family, not in the Adam's But then doesn't values. he make... A song specifically for the movie for Adam's yes. Family Values about Adam's, Adam's Family. family. That, Adam's that's, family. Al- that's also Adam's the original Adam's it's, Family. It's not the sequel. I swear to God. Okay. Yeah, I swear to God. Because he makes Adam's Family. Yeah, yeah. It's during the credits and they're the original. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All okay. right. Okay. I'm oh, skeptical as well, Brad. We'll check it out. I, I, I was. My I'm, mom didn't want me to see it because she thought Gomez and Morticia were way too on each other. So I, I remember a lot of details <laughs> sure. about that movie because I was like, "Oh shit, mom doesn't want me to see this. There's some dirty shit in this." And there really wasn't. No, no, no. Really no. It's it's kissing really up some arms. It's, it's, there's a lot of kissing up arms, yeah. which I guess I kind of did in grade school, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Sounds like you had a fun grade school. Yeah, cool grade school, man. Can you believe I picked Stoker? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's do one more category of Trash Star Destroy. Um, this uh, Chanwick Park uh, is made an English-language film, so let's do three foreign-born director directors, uh, English being their second language, doing an English-language film. We will do uh, fellow South Korean director Bong Joon-ho's Okja uh, from this year. We'll do... Uh, Benicio Del Toro's Pacific Rim. With an Benicio, Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> I'm still in my Star Wars thing. Guillermo Del Toro. 
Let's not forget Guillermo oh, del Toro's twenty-one grand. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Ugh, yeah, wrong, yeah, guy, yeah. wrong guy. Wrong guy. <laughs> I know the difference between Inaritu and Del Toro. So we got um, Oak Job, we got Pacific Rim Job. Who's the third? Pacific Rim Job, <laughs> and uh, we'll go to our, our French brethren, Luc Besson, with the Fifth Element. Ooh, a little multi-pass action. Yeah, Oak Job, Pacific Rim, Fifth Element, Trash Star Destroy. I. Ooh. That's a little tougher than I thought. Um, oh, red for a loop. Yeah, because I'm sorry, Pacific Rim Oak Show was third. Oh, Fifth, oh, element. Fifth element. Right. Fifth I element. think I will actually star in Pacific Rim, and I'll be Charlie Hunnam's character. That's yeah, uh, the main guy. Mostly because I want to work with Charlie Day at some point. <laughs> kind of my main goal in taking that role, just because. Too bad fist fan. fight wasn't in this trash starter story. Oh, I would have totally played Ice Cube. <laughs> so that's one of my dream, my dream picks. Um, and it would be fun to do a Del Toro movie. Yeah. Um, so I think I will star in that. I will give Fifth Element to Michael Bay because I don't think that's that won't be the worst fall off ever. Um. As far as quality, and yeah, <laughs> skeptical. Then I guess I'm gonna skeptical. Trash You're not wrong though. <laughs> uh, and then I'll trash Ocha. Okay, the Netflix hit. Sorry, Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> they got bright now. They don't care. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Joe. Um, you know, Ocha's is not having a good day. Uh, I'm I'm sticking oh, no. with trash for Ocha as well. Oh no, Ocha. <laughs> good one Chris thanks I, I like I like where this category is really showing um, where our fantasies lie uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna Michael Bay the shit out of Pacific Rim got so it that's a, that's a good choice that. too um, Fifth Element you know I think I'm gonna have to go with starring as Ruby Rod because it's fun it's endearing you get a lot of play yeah and you don't have to worry too much about doing too much but you're there for all the fun you know, that's what I'll say. I yeah. like that. All right. Yeah. 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 Plus, I think I could count better than him. One, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great scene. Great fucking scene. <laughs> Taking more work from Chris Tucker than he needs. <laughs> um, but I, I do think you're right. I don't think there's really a wrong answer for which to Michael Bay here, especially for two of the three answers. Um, you're not going to give Oak Judd a bay? I could. Uh, you know, I wasn't so hot in that movie. It looked great. I didn't love it, though. Uh, it got darker than I expected at the end, which I kind of appreciated. But overall, I was super annoyed with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in that film. Like I am in, I'd say, in 85% of Jake Gyllenhaal movies. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal's grown on me as an actor. I loved... Uh, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, thank yeah. you. I almost said Nocturnal Animals. <laughs> I liked him in that. Actually, he was my favorite he part of that movie. He's pretty good in that, too. Especially pitted up against Aaron Taylor Johnson. Ooh. Your favorite. Least favorite, Brad. Oh, I know. Get it right. Pay the price. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I am... Oh, I don't know which to star in. You know what? I'll star in... Pacific Rim as well. Um, Charlie Day. Big pull. I don't want to be Charlie. I'm not going to take away your dream of being Charlie Day. <laughs> I'll be the brother that dies at the beginning. Spoiler alert for Pacific Rim. Oh, no. In the first scene, who gets chopped up by the big kaiju. 
So we'll like drift together for a little bit and then you get to go on. Cool. And then I'll have to say a lot of the terrible dialogue actually in that movie. Mm, I'll always be waiting for you in the drift. <laughs> Sorry. That was really good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. It's a powerful scene. Yeah. It's Idris. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to trash Oakja, unfortunately. I, I'll, Oakja. I'll, I'll Oakja for me. It's all Snowpiercer, man. That's, that's I'm all about that one. Big Chris Evans fan. Uh, and then that is Michael Bay's Fifth Element. So it'll be nice. Then I'll get to do another movie with Bruce Willis. I'm sure he just loves that. Yeah. <laughs> sure Armageddon that. being the other. Right. Yeah. I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> Nobody does. Perfect. Nobody does. And neither will you. So we're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Stoker, more Joe Spencer, and more High On Film right after this. And we're back, high on film, talking Chanwook Park's, Park's Stoker from 2013 with writer-director Joe Spencer today. All right, guys, we're digging into the meat of Stoker. We are crossing into spoiler country. So if you haven't seen this movie, pause the podcast, take, oh, I'd say about 99 minutes and watch it. And then come back to us because we're inevitably going to give away some of the uh, little twists and turns of the plot. Here, we're each going to take a turn at summarizing Stoker in a thousandth of the time that it actually takes to view. So this 99-minute movie will actually afford us 9.9 .9 seconds apiece to get out the best summary, the most complete summary, that you can. Uh, for a total of 0 to 2 points, as judged by your peers around the podcast table. Uh, 0 being the minimum, 2 the maximum. Please use decimals if you find you need to refine your score beyond whole numbers. Uh, it's certainly not discouraged one bit. <clears throat> that being said, of course, during our break, as is tradition, we had our patented high on film coin toss coin toss, where we toss a three-sided coin into the air to see who goes first in these games portions, because Brad won last week, he gets to call it, and you did, you called it again, Brad. He said, Hales, it came up Hales. I'm awesome. You are awesome. <laughs> Randomly calling a three-sided coin. Uh, so, since it came up your way, first, second, or third today? I will go first. Oh, taking the lead. I'm just going to wow. try to get this over with, because, man, <laughs> this is going to be a tough one. 9.9 <clears throat> seconds, Brad, to summarize Stoker. Okay. In three, two, one... After her father dies, a uh, depressed girl's uncle moved in with her and her mother. Uh, the uncle seems to have statistic tendencies. Uh, she kind of falls for him, but at the same time, they end up killing somebody, and then in the end, she's really a killer. Oh. Uncle has statistic tendencies. Is that what I said? Statistic <laughs> <laughs> He's a big fan of numbers. Yeah, yeah. He loves baseball <laughs> and all those really refined statistics. Any stat head would. Oh, yeah. Can't argue that. I can't Those argue statistic that. tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just can't keep him away from just uh, he's a counter with stats. Yeah, yeah. Love much like I would say C three PO. Or you, Chris? You love math. I love math. Uh, that's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, I'm bringing it back. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Chris, right. that means it is your turn. Yes. Yes. 
9.9 seconds for the 99-minute movie. 99 seconds. No, 9.9 seconds. Please, give me all 99 <laughs> seconds. Are you ready? Sure, as ready as I guess I'll be. Okay, a lot of confidence. In three, <laughs> two, one. A father of a young girl dies um, at the funeral. Her uncle shows up, who she's never met before. He's very weird. He starts hitting on her, hits on his mother, her mother. Um, then they find out that he killed the father. <laughs> <laughs> It's on his mother. No, her mother. Yeah. It would be a much different movie if he's sitting on his mother. That's true. <laughs> only, only, only so much though. And he does look a little like Norman Bates. He does look a little much. Which like I don't Norman think Bates. is uh, again an accident. Well, they also have the thing in the movie too that, yeah, about um, her liking stuffed birds, which yeah. I'm sure is not an accident. Is another psycho reference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Hitchcockian stuff in addition to this being a. And Very Cape, close remake of Shadow of a Doubt. And Cape Fear. There's definitely elements of Cape Fear in this movie. There's too. some Cape Fear. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Joe, <sighs> you've seen it done twice. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. 9.9 seconds on the clock. In three, two, one. A highly intelligent sociopathic girl comes of age with the help of her highly intelligent sociopathic uncle. <laughs> I think that's wow. the core of it. It's not yeah, that is the core. No, that is. Core. That's probably more succinct than either of ours. <laughs> definitely more than mine. <laughs> definitely more than yours. Yeah, yeah. Pretty damn good there. All right, yeah, all right. Some shit, including a borderline sociopathic Nicole Kidman. You know, but it's fine. <laughs> that's true. Is there anyone who's not sociopathic in this film? In this film. Uh. I mean, of the main three, no. No. They're all, they're all crazy. pretty crazy. Yeah. I guess the dad was just the glue holding them together. You know what I love is the second time around, I recognize the Dexter of that point in the story. Um, him taking her hunting all the time and that line about doing something terrible in order to prevent yourself from doing something worse. Yeah. Like, and I think about the Code uh. of Henry from Dexter. And mm -hmm. the idea of he would always take Dexter out hunting, quote-unquote, but in reality it was like teaching him how to fucking like be a better criminal. You know, I kind of felt like there was a little bit of this idea that she was so close to him. Kidman was very jealous, and that's how we got the expository information about how close she was with her father. I think he recognized, because of his brother, like it's in the family. Yeah, and, that's totally true. You know, and look that's... at the way he even deals with Uncle Charlie when he gets him out of the sanitarium. He still loves him and is trying to like... Here's some money, here's a new identity and all this shit. I set everything up for you at this point, yeah. We know what kind of a person he is through that scene. I think that's what's so interesting about that to me, is that relationship where he, I think he knows what she is. Oh, I think that's yeah. absolutely yeah. true in yeah. retrospect. Definitely yeah. that line, did you do something bad to stop you from doing something worse. Yeah. yeah, that says it all. Oh, that's a good point. We got onto this because of a line, so let's get to our next segment, which focuses on the lines of this film. It's called First Impressions. In this game, we're each going to give a line from Stoker. We would like to hear impersonated by the person sitting to the right of us around the podcast table. Uh, Brad, you went first last time, so I'm going to take the the uh, honor of going first this time and give our guest Joe a line I'd like to hear him impersonate. I wouldn't call that you going first, just the record. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my podcast, so... <laughs> I don't care what you think. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Uh... <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just just go for the the jugular here and go for um, Evie's 
Evelyn's uh, climactic moment, I'd say. Or one of her climactic moments. Not the climactic moment. Not the climactic moment of the movie, but maybe her climactic moment, I'd say. They told Nicole Kidman the day of when they were shooting, this is the big climactic moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nail it. Well. <laughs> she does. <laughs> fucking kills the scene. It's after it now, her jealousy for her brother, her dead husband's brother. Uh, she saw him hitting on her daughter. She freaks out. Burns everything. Um, and then is sitting around the table when uh, her daughter comes in. And she looks right into the camera and gives this whole speech about why... People have kids because they want carbon copies of themselves, but not her. Not her. And then, well, you know what? I'm not going to do it justice. Let's let Nicole Kidman uh, deliver this line for us here. At some point in our lives, we realize things are... They're screwed up beyond repair. So we decide to start again. Wipe the slate clean. Start afresh. And we have children. Little carbon copies we can turn to and say, you will do what I could not. You will succeed where I have failed. Because we want someone to get it right this time. Not me. Personally speaking, I can't wait to watch life tear you apart. I should mention this uh, game is worth zero to three points this time on your high on film scorecards uh, for you to judge uh, each other's performances. Like we do, like friends do. Judge each other numerically. You know how that goes. You learned it on the schoolyard. On the school, in the schoolyard. <laughs> on the schoolyard. I'm ready. Let's Joe. do this. Ah. And then we have children. Little carbon copies we can turn to and say, You will do what I could not. You will succeed where I have failed. Because we want someone to get it right this time. But not me. Personally speaking, I can't wait to watch life tear you apart. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, yeah. Ooh. Nice work. <laughs> Very lovely. So we're trying to put that little... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That was a little bit of like a satisfying... Yeah. She's almost satisfied with how... I'm you... finished chewing the scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now that you got through that, you get to go ahead and give Brad any line you'd like to hear him impersonate for the same amount of points. Very excited about this. Uh, I'm going to go earlier on in the in the movie, uh, in the early stages of the courtship between uh, Uncle Charlie and India. <laughs> True. So I'd like it to be the uh, incredibly sexually overt uh, line of discussing the beauty and easiness of the soil in the garden. So uh, do we have do we have that line rated? I, I believe here? we have it all queued up. I, here. I don't even want to try and talk about it because I think this line's gonna just it'll speak volumes. <laughs> it really is a beautiful garden. The soil, 
so soft. Good for digging. All right, but so remember, when you're hitting on your niece, always start with overtly sexual metaphors. Of course, yeah. Especially these are this is early on. They've only exchanged what one or two uh, pleasantries at this point. <laughs> but there's a connection. There, there, there is, is a connection. connection. Yeah, there is an uncle niece connection. There's an unspoken je ne sais quoi. <laughs> Brad. Yeah. How's that soil? <laughs> okay. Or how's that garden? I should say. Yeah. Well. Well, let me tell you. This is a really beautiful garden. The soil. So soft. Good for digging. There you go. Wow. Mudslide. Topical. <laughs> Topical. And sexual. <laughs> All right, Brad. Yeah. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, it, it was fine. I got the sex. I didn't get any of the threat, though. You know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's always been my problem. That's always been your problem. <laughs> All right, Brad. Well, rather than diving deeper on that comment, why don't you give me a line for first impressions? Okay. Uh, well, in keeping with uh, the last line, I am actually going to give you another Uncle Charlie line, which is also uh, wrought with uh, sexual innuendo. Oh, good. Uh, it is a scene when him and uh, when Uncle Charlie and uh, Evie Nicole Kidman are sitting at the piano, playing, and uh, India has just come in from out in the rain, uh, soaking wet. After he had given her, uh, he kept trying to give her an umbrella, even put one on the gate outside, and she still didn't take it. So now she comes in gate outside the cemetery, which is where she ran to her father's grave. Yes, and comes back. Drenched, and there, and Charlie just turns around uh, to just give her, tell her what to do, basically, and it is weird. Oh. I'm teaching him piano. Uncle Charlie is a complete beginner. Put on some dry clothes and come play with us. Why don't you take a hot shower first, or you'll catch a cold? Here. Okay. <clears throat> My renowned Matthew Good impression. Oh, so good. Mm -hmm. Put on some dry clothes and come play with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you, that was spot on. That, I mean, could you do me a favor and say, come boobastus? <laughs> come boobastus. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm like watching Watchmen all over again. That's great. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, I right. forgot he's, he's in Watchmen. Yeah, he's in Watchmen. Yeah. Ozymandias. Ozymandias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Meander. Crazy motherfucker. <laughs> Guys, you can throw the scorecards to the side for the time being, because we're now getting into an open forum discussion we like to call scene work. We're an optimistic podcast, if you couldn't tell already. <laughs> and we like to start things off optimistically in this segment with doo -doo -doo -doo, best scene. What is the best scene? In Stoker. Okay, well... <laughs> okay. Brad, you're going to launch into something here, huh? No, well, I... Probably my actual favorite part is kind of the whole reveal at the end on the steps. Wow, okay. I... That... Just because you put all the pieces together in this movie and you don't really... You kind of spend the movie not 100% sure 
you know what's going on. You, you kind of do, but you're still unsure how he got here. So that actually, the reveal of, which I guess I should have seen coming. That, the flashback? Yes. Yeah. I mean, kind of that whole sequence right, right. of him getting on the steps, her now standing above him on the steps, which yes. was the whole thing before his bag, waiting there, and then him walking up the steps and kind of explaining everything that happened between him and his father, the fact that he killed him, the um, the getting the rock, like everything around that scene, even in the car with like Matthew Good realizing he's not going back, he's not taking him back to his house with the family. Yeah. That was probably my that reveal was my favorite part of the movie uh for the most part but well i'll let you guys talk there's other things to discuss here but sure no i'm gonna leave that for now we can big reveal they they did it great even up until the end like i didn't see the rock coming right then and there i was Mm -hmm. like what else is gonna happen here um yeah it it was good not mine, but I like that. Yeah, well, and even the reverse, too, of him saying, uh, what's the line he says right before? Uh, oh, I, um, I love on. you, but... What kind of family never comes home, or... Well, no, no, no. Not oh, that I, I just have that. to love you a little less. Yes. Yeah. And then him saying that to him when he tells him he has to leave, and then coming back to the car when he's, like, beating him to death with a rock. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a nice... love you a little less. Yeah. Throwing it back in his face. Literally. Jerk. <laughs> Joe, you got a best scene here? Yeah, I, I I think uh, I'm I'm always gonna connect to the the courtship between the two. Uh, so I think I'm gonna go with the piano courtship scene. Um, yeah, wow! I, I think that there there's such emotion there, and and to tap into what we just talked about, uh, part of it is to do with Matthew Good's performance. Um, you, I, I I love them together. Like that whole scene of them playing together and trying to outdo each other a little bit, and kind of recognizing the intelligence between each other right there. Up to the full-on eroticizing of simply brushing up against her back. Like, I, I love that. And then kind of just cutting right after that, too. It might be a little bit too much symbolism, but the spider crawling between her legs finally makes it between her legs after that scene. Yeah. I, I love that. It, it's where he finally gets into her. And it's no longer a simple matter of a mystery to her now of who killed these people around her. It's now about this guy she's infatuated with who may or may not be the killer of all these people. Spoiler alert, it is. <laughs> it's true. Hey, we, we warned people that we were in spoiler country. <laughs> they knew where they were. They um, knew what you were signing up for. Yeah. I, I really like the music there, too. Mm-hmm. That adds a huge yeah. element to that scene. And then, bas- yeah, the eroticized, like, almost sex. I mean, they basically have sex. When he's yes. up behind her, it's obviously It is a metaphor scene. for fucking. Yeah. yeah, especially 100%. then the little, like, she gets piece. off. It yeah. appears she does. Yeah, yes. It appears she does. And she seems to have gotten off. Yeah. I mean, just the way they the way they portray the idea of their extra sensory... Uh, you know, I kind of like about this is that they're trying to show that s- being a psychopath offers you almost superpowers a little bit in this movie. There's this idea that you're sensing things a little bit more... The, the irritation of a bug that nobody else seems to notice. Yeah. No, like counting leaves on a tree in the course of an hour. That's India, especially. Like, But it's also what, what we're presented with is the idea that so is Uncle Charlie. Yeah. This is in the family. So that moment where she is kind of getting off a little bit at the piano, she really is, she's feeling everything. She is feeling everything in that moment. Well, and she had, before that, she wasn't even able to be touched. And yeah. then after yeah, that, yeah. she's like, and your favorite could, scene, in the letter scene, he even kind of mentions in there, like, he doesn't like it either, but of course it was you, I might make an exception, you know? Like, that's just little, little moments like that. It's so fucking good. Yeah. 
Well, guys, I, I can't remember the last time this happened, but I have a third scene that I think is the best scene here. Awesome. Well, I know. Yeah, I do too. Um, and it's the first reveal that he actually is a killer. So uh, Mrs. McGarrick has been missing for a while. Nobody knows where she is. And then we get this three-scene inter-edit sequence of uh, India going back down to the basement to actually eat ice cream and go into the deep freezer for it. Um, Evie, her mom, Nicole Kidman, going to Charlie's room to seduce him, and Charlie going to Aunt Gwen's motel, and more specifically into the phone booth where she's trying to call India. All at the same time. All interlocked. All, I mean, match cuts in visuals. Uh, sound bridges and sound matches as well. Uh, little light flickers go from one scene to another. All happening simultaneously. And I think it is beautifully shot, masterfully edited, and just such a fun, electrifying reveal. Like, on all levels. Uh, I really loved it. And then, of course, it, it ends with... You finding Mrs. McGarrick's face frozen in the icebox, and you watch Charlie go in and strangle uh, Auntie Gwen with his own belt in the phone booth, and then you know, oh, he's the killer. He killed her, and now he's killed Aunt Gwen too. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I was blown away by that sequence. It was so good, and you watch India sitting there eating ice cream, and uh, Evie gets all upset because he's not there. And oh, I just I, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was really, really uh, uh, superior there. Yeah, that sequence was awesome. I kind of uh, I honestly forgot about that a little bit, but that is that stuck with me as well. There's like almost a break in the movie at that point. Yeah, it just feels like an intermission break. Yeah, it is a, an act. Break. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, it's definitely an act break. But <laughs> yeah, it just feels like the whole movie shifts tonally at that point. Like now, you at least have you're right the first true reveal of the movie yeah you know now for sure it's him he's it's, not just some weirdo he's like a murdering weirdo and what a great contrast too i mean like to see her just sitting there eating ice cream and being so childish with, with, with childish with the way she's eating ice cream you got the two buckets in front of her she's eating the ice cream la, 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 la. yeah and all this murder is going on around her and it's almost like being outside the movie it's almost like she's hyper aware of the murder and mayhem so what does she want to do she wants to get two scoops of ice cream and have a good time it's, yeah it's very uh i love it perverse perverse cuts is yeah. what that is and actually one thing i wanted to mention i forgot to uh while we were on the piano scene is that we were just told that he's a beginner mm -hmm. and like she doesn't even stop to register this is a lie like she knew it was a lie when her mother was telling her 100%. And, like, so when she comes down, he's just, like, jamming away at, like, this intricate piano piece. Like, when he starts playing with her, she doesn't even stop. Just pick to do, oh, noticed, and, like, well, how good are you? And I thought that was brilliant, actually. I really love that. It's, it's, it's almost like they could sense it before they even met, almost, that they were out there for each other. It's, it's very, I mean, like, with his letters to her the whole time. Yeah. He never met her. He never knew anything about her. He just kind of assumed and filled in the blanks that she would be just like him. It's, it's, it makes it seem almost like they're star-crossed lovers in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and with that letter thing, too, I kind of like that reveal as well, because she gets all these letters that have been written to her, and she's, like, so swept up in it, and, like, mm -hmm. oh, he really has cared about me this whole time. And then, like, the dropping the one on the steps, dropping it on another, 
and then coming back to get the one, I was like, oh, I'm actually surprised she came back to pick it up. Yeah, I thought it was going to be the big giveaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that's what she noticed is that they've all been coming from like a, a psychiatric yeah, institution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really like that reveal too. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, if there's a best scene, it means that there's a worst scene. What's the worst scene in Stoker? Uh, okay, well, I have an actual worse scene that's probably worse than the scene I want to discuss. Okay, yeah, I only have, like, a little joke thing written down, because I really didn't find too much that I didn't care for in this film. And the only thing I had, which was a very small thing, was, like, the bully in the art class. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's out of fucking control. Absolutely <laughs> out of control. Don't you love cinematic bullies? They get away with so much. Yeah. I mean, it, it was... So uh, devoid of nuance. Yes. And a part of me, it was so... Especially for this movie that is... Subtle, I guess. Uh, not subtle, because, boy, some of those innuendos are so blatant. Yeah, but not subtle. No, 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 but <laughs> more subtle in kind of the tone, kind of everything around it. Everyone kind of speaks softly. And, sure. Yeah, a lot of whispering. Yes. Where and then you have this really brash guy. I think he's, like, in bright yellow. Yeah. And, like, saying, like, ugh. What, what is even his line? It's something. Did I write it down? No, I don't think I did. But. Like, uh, 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 something sexually laden. I think it's some yeah. word insertion. Yeah. Uh, I'll insert into you or some terrible yeah. fucking line. Or stroker, like your oh, you... brother's dad is doing your mom. Well, that's, that later? La- that's later. Okay, that's later. But. I can't remember it all was the so out of, it her. It was so out of place <laughs> in the movie that it almost made me think that it it was that obvious on purpose that it was that over the top on purpose yeah because it just seems so out of place but uh, lucas till by the way the bully who plays havoc in the new x-men movies as joe pointed out during the film and monster trucks oh that's right he plays monster trucks uh, he was he starred in monster Trucks. oh the uh, animated monster trucks movie no, uh, it's not animated it was it's like live, live action it's live action wait what? And isn't he also the new macgyver we gotta go back here this monster trucks movie was oh that's what it is looking at the picture it was like that squid alien thing on the top of it that's right yes. it was a, I yeah. a january dumping ground the last i remember seeing a trailer for it and thinking wow that's <laughs> gonna be a mess free on amazon prime right now okay <laughs> Go check it out. Yeah. That's next week. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But what I did want to say about that is that the bully bullies India with this drawing of her naked doing a painting. Like, he sees her from the art class. And it's a really good sketch. It's a decent sketch. While it is sexual harassment, I just can't believe this bully is so good at art that, like, he's just like... Doing this to bully her. He learned how to draw sarcastically. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's just like, wow, he has really some good artistic talent here, and he's just using it for for evil. But I guess that's what everyone's doing in this movie. Check it out. I gave gave your back some dimples. Not bad, right? Yeah. yeah. I still hate you. Uh, oh, Pitts. That's his name, too. His character name is Pitts. Yeah, he's Pitts. Pitts. Yeah. And then uh, Alden Einenreich. Uh, Silver Screen's new Han Solo is named Whip. Really? Whip and Pitts are the friends. I knew I knew well, Whip. I, I didn't know Pitts. I wouldn't call them friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Well, they're kind of friends. He's like, lay off or you're done. Well, yeah. I kind of, yeah, the same pack at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, until he tries to rape her. 
Right, of course. Right. Yeah. But that right. has nothing to do with his relationship with Pitts. We no, I guess not. We gotta crack that open all at once, because that's a that's a huge fire, fire and fury. Well, yes, to, and that's the discuss. scene I wanted to talk about. Is... Okay, well, hold on. Joe, do you have a worse scene? Oh, that, yeah. Unless this is it I as mean, well? I I really don't have much to complain about either. Um, I'm kind of with Chris here. I, my, I guess the one line delivery that, out of all these overt ones, the one that I just didn't like was the beginning, I believe, the mother asks India how you're feeling, or are you, are you not feeling well? And she goes, yes. My father is dead. Yeah, and it was. I guess you know what. Thinking about a, a seventeen to eighteen angsty year old, teen, sure, sure. But to have to hear it in a movie of, of this of this caliber, I'm like, okay, we could have done a little bit better than that. Yeah, but, but not even a scene, just an ex- a line. Yeah, there you go. Sometimes that's all it boils down to. Sometimes. Uh, let's talk about this this really big yeah. old cold sore of a scene. Brad, what you got for us, buddy? Well, okay, so lead we, us into it. Yeah, well, you have to start back at this rape scene where Alden Eidenreich goes from being like super cool guy, then they're like making out uh, him in in uh, uh, India, and Mia then, Wachowski. Yes, and then he gets a little rougher, and all of a sudden it turns into a he's gonna he's about to rape her. And well, can I give a little bit more? Sure. Yeah, yeah she, like, a little bit more. She bites his lip, because right? oh right. To me, the whole the scene is a response to India sees her mother with Uncle Charlie, and Charlie being very aware that India is watching is very hardcore about being all over aunt or her mom. Up. Yeah, yeah. So India goes out and kind of wants the same thing to happen to her with Mister Young Han Solo, and bites him a little too hard because she is an. A, she is a, an animal of a different color than he is, if you will. Uh, and, and that's where we're at with, with this whole... Ele- with, yeah. And which then, basically, then he gets more aggressive because she's got aggressive, and then she tries to pull away, and then it turns on it. He's fully going to rape her. When Uncle Charlie shows up out of nowhere... He's been there the whole time. I guess so. <laughs> him, and then... Proceeds to tie him up with belts, and then... And presents him to her. Yeah, have him basically. He's all, or he's all yours, I believe. Even says after he, he yeah, yeah. tying up, he's all yours. Yeah, she kicks, starts kicking him in the face. He, uh, uh, whip, <laughs> retaliates from the ground and like tackles her and tries to kill her. Yeah, which seems bold, foolish. Bold move. Yeah, Mis- <laughs> probably a mistake. And then while he's lying on top of her, Uncle Charlie gets behind him with his belt and pulls it until it cracks his neck. Yeah, on top yeah. of Mia Wachowski. Yes. Yeah, cutting out Silver things. Screen's Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> that is that is another role of hers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and and the sexual positioning of all three of them. Let's let's not forget like that was very much on purpose. Like oh, even absolutely. The, the positioning of all three of them in that movement which brings us to the actually the, the scene is going on at the same time as we're seeing her in the aftermath. In the shower, crying. Crying. We're seeing her crying, getting... Is she crying? We think she's crying. We think she's, she's crying, crying first. Because yeah. of such a violent, like, this man's neck was snapped in front of her, and you think it was just Yeah, a, she was almost raped. Right. So you think it's just her reaction to this horrible, horrible, just scenario. And then you slowly realize that she is... Jacketed. 
As as Uncle Charlie is slowly pulling his neck back, and right. slowly getting to that crack, yeah. she is slowly building herself up to her own crack. <laughs> and then the neck snaps, and yeah, shout orgasm, and that is Alice goes to Wonderland, and Alice goes yeah through Bravo. the looking glass, <laughs> through the looking glass. I think. Uh, Joe, actually, I think you said it best when this when we watched this scene right as soon as it ended. You're like, this is somewhere in between best scene and worst scene. I don't know <laughs> what it is. I think I even wrote that down, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there it is right between them. Yeah. I mean, all I knew for sure is that it was a scene that needed to be mentioned because it is certainly the most, probably the most memorable scene out of this movie or just... Definitely something that needs to be addressed. I mean, when you talk about this movie, you're going to be like, oh, well, the one where she masturbates to a guy being killed on top of her. After trying to rape her. Yeah, by yeah. her uncle. All right, guys. Well, that leaves us with only one thing left to do. It's time for Milking It. That's the final game of our podcast. That's worth a damn and a damn. Uh, like I usually mentioned before this point in the show but haven't yet today for some reason, is worth zero to five points in this game. My God. Minimum of zero, maximum of five. For the final game, we're each going to draw a card from the big box of Hollywood ideas of prequels, sequels, reboots, and genres. On said card is going to give you a new way to interpret the themes, the characters, the plot line, whatever you'd like to take salvage from uh, Stoker uh, to recreate repurpose, reuse these things, and put out a brand new movie uh, for our listening enjoyment. We'll need a title and a quick summary in order to pitch it to the Hollywood executives and make a billion more dollars for the studio system. That being said, here's the old relic. Ooh, it's a shoebox. <laughs> it is. It looks a lot like a shoebox, I know, but it's <laughs> actually a very old Hollywood relic. This crossed out writing, not Chris's porn. Exactly. <laughs> Clearly, that's not what it is. <laughs> I, I would go. I don't know why anyone crossed that out because that should be what it says, not Chris's porn. <laughs> Brad, why did you. Who goes first? Never mind what the box says. Okay. I think, I think box. Joe goes first. I think Joe goes first. Draw a card and read it aloud, please, Jam Joe. my hand in that box. Let's do this. Okay. All right, Mia Wachowski. Oh, my. <laughs> Call me Daddy Longlegs. Uh, <laughs> we didn't even talk about the spiders in the vagina. He did. He did. Oh, yeah, good. Okay. He did. He did. Just one comment. Sequel. I got sequel. Oh. oh. Sequel to Stoker. That is pretty fascinating. Brad. All righty. All righty. <laughs> The musical. Stoker the musical. Oh. Alright. Okay. And I'll draw a card here. Boy. A comic book or superhero movie. Oh. Lucky. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, we're going to take a quick break and be right back with three brand new movies for your listening enjoyment. Right after this. And we're back right in the middle of milking it for Stoker. High on film here with Joe Spencer. Joe, you drew the sequel card. I did. So what do you got for us? The sequel to Stoker. What happens next? 
Well, it seems like she's on her way to the big city. So I figure it's going to be called uh, Stoker 2, Little Sociopath, Big City. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, one of those date movies you see where the girl goes into the city and she gets a loft and all that jazz. Sure. So, so maybe we get like a bunch of like the hot guys right now to play the d- douchebags. You know, we're in a few for this movie that we they actually are becoming the, the hot dudes. We have a Havoc from X-Men. We got the young Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Maybe we get Efron in this one. Maybe one more, two more guys. Wow. She has to kill them all. Oh, but what's this? There's this really rich old silver fox dude in town. And she kind of feels the same way about this guy's Uncle Charlie. Who is this? Anthony Hopkins. Reveal Grandfather Stoker. Oh. What? (laughs) Huge twist. I love it. Huge twist. Stunt casting. (laughs) Sort of a romance thing. You know, kind of weird. But also... (laughs) Kind of. But also in the vein of other movies like uh, The Singles Guide to Dane or some Mm. other crap like that. You know, kind of like that. I like it. And it's called Little Stoker Big City. Uh, Stoker Two. Stoker Two. Little, Little Stoker. sociopath. Little Big sociopath. City. Big, <laughs> sorry, you got to have the subtitles. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Almost get to like American Psycho vibes. Yeah, but yeah. it's like American Psycho too, though. With uh, with what's her name? That that terrible Mia Kunis. Was Mila it? Kunis. Mila Kunis. Yeah. Is she yeah. American Psycho Two. There is. was an American. She used the American Cycle. Cycle? Cycle. Psycho 2. American Cyclist. American Cyclist 2. It was like the, one of the first direct-to-video movies I saw at Hollywood Video, actually. I think mm. she was like the last... Oh, Hollywood Video. She survived Patrick ba- Bateman's rampage and like was interested enough to become the new American uh, Psycho. Jesus. Oh, Why would you... Okay, never mind. Maybe. Shit, I should just take that and take it for Stoker 2. That sounds yeah, yeah. hot. I'm taking that. <laughs> there you go. All right, great job, though. I really like that. That was, that was like impressive. Uh, Brad Davis, you have the coveted musical card. <laughs> coveted? <laughs> I was jelly. Oh, uh, yeah, everyone yeah. wants the musical card. That's true. It's fun. What's the Stoker musical look like? All right, so I'm just going to kind of go through the track list with you of kind of what each song kind of corresponds to part of the movie. So, uh, we're going to start with, um, uh, India, the, the opening track is, uh, Super Lame Funeral, and... <laughs> It's I a, think she's upset at the funeral. Okay, never mind. Well, it's supposed to Go kind ahead. of play on how like miserable she always is anyway. So everything around her is miserable, mm-hmm. and then it's also that's a duet between her and Kidman, mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, playing up just how terrible this is. I mean, the title's <laughs> somewhat comedic, but it's a musical. So my father is dead. Grow up. My father is dead. Smile. Don't my be father, morbid. My father is dead. This is beautiful. That's yeah, great. yeah. I love I hope they all play out like this. Um, <laughs> so we leave the the uh, the actual uh, serum, the actual uh, wake. burial wake. Thank you. Um, and then so we meet Uncle Charlie for the first time in the song "Good Old Uncle Charlie," <laughs> and it's kind of this very upbeat song, but sure. it's like has a sinister, you know, his little sinister little sly comments underneath everything that just kind of shows that he's off. Yeah. Even though there's this very peppy Dirty, song happening. soft, and good for digging. Yeah, that's probably somewhere in there, quite That honestly. sounds like a line from Into the Woods, actually. <laughs> Wait, this is the Johnny Depp segment from Into yeah. the well, Woods. Well, see, this is kind of the intro to... Girl. No, see, this is the intro to Uncle Charlie, because then the next uh, song okay. that's going to be kind of centered around that, their first like beginning of their courtship, per se, is going to be called Soft Soil. 
Uh, it has its own song. It has its own song. There's a two second scene in this movie. Well, it's more about the beginning of their yeah her beginning to like him and like it's more He's planting his seeds in her. Or starting to yes, and that's right, kind of that's also innuendo. Right, but it's a duet either way because the un- good old Uncle Charlie is just him, and you're meeting him for the first time, and he's yeah. going around the wake to everybody and like introducing himself. Um, so uh, after Soft Soil, we have the next. Uh, the next song is kind of the uh, edited scene together. The one your favorite scene, the first reveal. Yes, the first reveal, which the title that would be "Heads Will Roll," mm. um, where you kind of get. Obviously, all the the head in the uh, freezer and uh, strangling of Auntie, whatever her name is, um, Jackie Weaver, and that kind of leads you to the intermission. Um, I and dare then, say maybe call it tying up loose ends, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's pretty good. Um, and then uh, the we start uh, after that. Then we have the first time, which is the piano. Duet. Um, first time. The first time. The first, first time, time they play the piano together. And <laughs> but obviously is that, is that what that meant? That's what it's a dual meaning. Um, so you go through that scene with the piano kind of playing in the background. Then we go into the weird scene of the seduction of Nicole Kidman by Uncle Charlie while um, uh, India's watching. Mm-hmm. And that's called My Husband's Brother, which is going to be more Kidman's, Kidman's song. Uh, that'll be her performance. Um, kind it's of the... Heart-wrenching. The, yeah, well, the back and forth of like being attracted and then kind of even mixing in the fact that he looks like your husband and kind of playing on all those emotions. So it's, it's more of a ballad, I assume. Um, and then we get to the first-time reprise, which is the... Uh, murder scene with the snap neck and the rape. Um, murder and whip. Yeah, which the the first time she's witnessed a murder, so it's going to be different lyrics, but probably the same uh, melody in the background. Um, then we move on to the next scene, which is Shower Me With Your Love. <laughs> I assume you guys can do the math on which scene that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no need to take it any further than that. Uh, then we have kind of back-to-back songs that are, uh, we have On the Level, which is the reveal of everything that happened as uh, Charlie ascends the stairs to um, to India. And a similar song, kind of like back-to-back songs called On the Hunt Afterwards, which is when India has to kill Uncle Charlie once he's killing her mother. Mm. On the level is just a brilliant title. Thank uh, you. I, I, especially with the idea of filling in the hole to kill baby brother to level out the ground. It's it's that's that's fucked up, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank uh, you very much. I think it's level. actually a uh, title of a raconteur's song as well. Oh. I believe Jack White already used it. Fun <laughs> fact. Yeah. No, no one's ever had the same level. Songs have never had the same title before, so never, not ever once. I can't think of any two. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, on the level into on the hunt, Mm -hmm. and then you end it again with a reprise of the first time melody with new lyrics when she kills the cop as the first time she's actually murdered somebody. 
I mean, murdered somebody. Right, right. Well, it's the first time uh, she... Well, other than No, him, she kills Charlie, yeah. but the first time it's totally unnecessary. Yeah. Sheriff via Shears. I love it. And your title? I have two options. I'm going to go Shears with... Shears and Shotgun. Yeah, Shotgun and Shears. And pairs them with the Shears. And then... Oh, you're so right. I'm going to go with Everybody Loves Charlie. Okay. <laughs> I had good old Uncle Charlie, but the fact that I used that as, as a, a title song, song yeah, yeah. I wanted to go with something different, and I sure. didn't have a better option. So that's fair. Everybody loves Charlie. Not bad. I really like it. I I, I have one note though. Yes, Chris. I feel like the shower song when she's remembering how Whip died, uh, and it's climaxing, and she's climaxing, and it's climaxing in the in the as a song should. Maybe be called. It's just a pitch. Belt one out. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a hard time arguing with that, Chris, to be quite honest. Because then she can be like, hitting those high notes in the solo. He's being stringed with a belt. She's rubbing one one out. out. Put in parentheses next to it. There it is right there. Yeah, 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 I'll take a parenthesis. I'm adding it right now on the page. Belt one out. Bell went yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Great note. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you have one for mine because I certainly, uh, well, we'll see. Okay. So I went with, you know, comic book, superhero movie. You know, we're turning gritty these days. We need them grittier. This movie certainly lends itself to a little more of a grittier, bloodier, violent uh, superhero film. So we're going to focus on old Charlie Stoker. He's special, you know? He's a little more perceptive. He has, like, some strength. Has been his whole life. But for, like, the last foreseeable years, he's been locked up and experimented on by this this institution. Don't get me started. <laughs> um, but at the start of the movie, he's broken out, right? And now uh, he finds out that his niece has also shown signs of being very special. But her parents... Recently, just killed. Both of them. Both parents. Gone. So now she's with this evil old aunt. I'm kind of combining some characters here. This evil old aunt slash caretaker um, who doesn't treat her well, won't acknowledge how special she is, like won't let her use her powers. The shoes that she gets gifted every year could keep them in check even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, Like, um... Like that movie I didn't see about all the school for kids of special people that's not X-Men. Mrs. Pellegrino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Pellegrino's school for... <laughs> Is it Pellegrino? Penguin <laughs> children. But like there's the one guy who has like weighted shoes so he doesn't float off, right? Miss LaCroix's school for damaged children or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when is LaCroix going to give money for damaged children? Um, but anyway, so he goes um, and tries to get custody of his niece you can't, the evil aunt caretaker kind of gets in the way, so uh, she kind of, like, accuses him of having a sexual relationship with her, like, to try to get him, like, legally out of the picture, even though he's not in this film. Um, he's just trying to do it for her own good, um, but he must resort to other tactics to free her, which include using his mind control and strength and stuff to do some really crazy mutant stuff uh, in what we're calling... Old Man Stoker. Oh, that's great. Oh, that is pretty good. That's really I like good. the title. The title's the best part. Well, I, mean, yeah. I kind of ripped it off from... Uh, Old Man Logan. What? Yeah. 
No, I know. No, it's but the okay. movies just look. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> they passed right. on the good title. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. Old Man Stoker. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, please, once you're done finish, uh scoring your scorecards, uh, pass them to the front of the class for final edition. And as we do that, we unfortunately must move into the pessimistic end of our show, which concludes with podcast regrets. Now, for me, my regret is simple. I can't believe that we've gone a whole second week without mentioning that this is the second consecutive week where there's a movie featuring a water gun. And I think, I know it's not the season, but it's a perfect opportunity for me to profess my love of the Super Soaker 100, the finest water gun ever made, (laughs) and an unofficial sponsor of High on Film. It'd be great to get the Super Soaker people on board. I would love to. Do you remember, yeah. the, do you remember the summer, like, the one with the backpack came out, the Super Soakers? You know what I'm talking about? I do. Oh, yeah. I do. Like, you could have extra... It, I'm yeah. talking full-on backpack, like Ghostbusters, and the nozzle was like yeah. a whole back. It's like the 500 or something yes, like that. Yes, yes. after the 200, the double barrel. You know, it's almost, it's too much soaker, because, you know, it's, 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 it's pooling everywhere. It was leaking on me all the time. The 100, you could never go wrong with. That's this why. is my whole yeah. thing. Oh, my God. He's, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Right? Even the 200 has its faults. Yes. Like, it leaks, you know, it doesn't really, all the water's not, it's too heavy. Too much. The 100 carried a lot of water, never leaked. It's the finest water gun on the market. It's the Glock of Super Soakers. It is the Glock of Super Soakers. 100%. It is. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, any other podcast regrets? Uh, regrets right. saying or not saying during the duration of the show? I guess anything I didn't... A couple scenes that I wanted to... I really like both the dinner scenes... The one before Auntie Jin or whatever her name is is there, <laughs> and then the one with her. Why don't? Why do you think Charlie? Why do you think Charlie doesn't eat? What's What's the psychology? Ooh, there? Why that's a Charlie, good question. Why doesn't Charlie oh. eat? He makes the joke about poison them early on. We know that's not true. Um, is there a feeling of judgment? Do we think? Does he just not? Or is it the idea of the metaphor of the hunter? This isn't what he eats. He eats you. Mm, you know. That's probably my best guess. Mm. I mean, that is obviously your guess. That's the one that makes the most sense to me. Is that this is his prey, mm-hmm. and he's feeding his prey before he hunts them. Oh, that's even more. That that's, I, I like that a lot. That's, Fattening him up, kind of. Yeah, uh, idea. Yeah. I wonder if maybe he was feeding them the caretaker, and that's why he didn't take a bite. In the freezer? Maybe that's why she was in the freezer. Well, I know you only see the face, face. but I thought... I kind of took it as a thing that it was her whole body. I took it too. Maybe it's cut into steaks? I don't... I mean, well, we didn't see the whole body is what I mean. For all we know, she took a chunk off of it. That's true. (laughs) Well, is that also, though, was he burying part of the body in the soil? Yeah, well, you're not cooking the head. There's no good meat on the head. Well, yeah, then why put it in the freezer at all, then? Unless he was cooking... A quick way to... Get rid of the keep the body out of sight. I guess. Yeah, but the dinner scene before the dinner scene is before India finds the head. Right, but that doesn't mean it's not in there already. When does he argue with the caretaker? Very early on, like sometime in the second day. So she's still dead. Right by that point. God, I would love that. I would Hmm. love that. He was just feeding them what he killed, which is the woman. (laughs) That's so fucked up. Very interesting. I have a couple small bits, just Please. small things. What do you regret here? Um, 
Love that pop in the beginning. There's a really good blister pop at the bottom uh, of uh, yeah. Yeah, Wachowski's foot. That was just fantastic. Right yeah, what's up with that? Uh, Why is that in this film? Oh, love some good pimple popping right there. Okay. So I mean, piercing something. Mm. To me, it's Bubble about bursting. It's like I, I take that the same way I take something like Blue Velvet, starting with like seeing the centipedes under the ground and seeing like an ear in the forest. It's supposed to kind of show the ugliness. This isn't a story about what you think it's going to be. You know, here's this young girl looking all majestic in this nice summer dress. And then what do we focus on? We focus on the blister on her foot. Well, is it also about the truth shoes? of humanity? Is it also about the oh, shoes? Oh, it's definitely yeah. about yeah. the shoes. And then Because she's outgrowing the shoes. Yeah. That's the blisters. The and she, because now her new ones are coming this year. Right. It's her birthday. But like... She's she's not afraid of the blister. She doesn't react in a way a typical girl would react to that with an ew. Typical like, anybody would react. You're right, like, you're most right. people yeah. would pierce it immediately. But that's what she wants to do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, I got the points tallied. I am in a a regrettable third place with fourteen point two points. Brad, sixteen point. Wow. Sixteen point five points. <laughs> Putting you in a solid second place, making Joe our winner today. Seventeen point nine five points, my friend. That's get that's guest favoring right there, is what that is. No, I nice think guys. that is experience with a film. Oh, well. you, uh, you knew your way around Stoker. I know my way around a good Stoker. You know my way around a good Stoker. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for being here today. Chris and Brad, absolute pleasure. Do you have anything to plug that you'd like our, our listening audience to know about? Uh, speaking of pimples, uh, we have an exciting new short from Unmanned Media coming out called Pop. Uh, it is about uh, it is a body horror piece about a demon zit. It's going to be coming out in about a month, so if you're interested in that, please check out unmannedmedia.com where you can get your free download. Oh, man. You're going to make me do this. I'm not a big body horror fan, but... <laughs> yeah? I'll... All right. I'll watch it. It's only 14 minutes. You're okay. Deal. You cool. Know, it's all right. All right. Yeah, yeah. You got me. I'm in. I've seen, I'm in. I've seen some early... Of it. It's pretty impressive. All right. Yeah. I'm excited. It's pussy. I'm excited. All right. it's, it's oh, boy. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But no, I've, I've, I've sat through body horror before. I can do it again. We don't have any daddy long legs and vaginas, I'm sorry to say. But, sure, you know, sure. we got demons in. So. For those of you who haven't seen Stoker and made it through this podcast, it doesn't actually show any daddy long legs going into a vagina. I feel like this is it just leading goes, to... It does go up her skirt. It goes up her skirt. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't just symbolism. That. <laughs> okay. Symbolism. No big deal. Brad Davis, thank you as always, my friend. A pleasure, Chris Maxwell. Uh, at BDAlwaysGP on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, that's about all I got for right now. There it is. At High on Film is the show wherever you want to find us. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a comment on the site. Email us at thehighonfilmshow at gmail.com. I'm at Cross Maxwell across your social media accounts. That's Chris with an O where the I should be. Uh, and that's it. That's it, guys. Um, this, you know, I'm sorry to say, 18 left. That's right. 18 left. 18 left. Before 250. And... Before... Before... Uh, 50. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. No problem, Chris. Thanks for clearing that up that for me. That is what, a, that's what <clears throat> I'm here for. We'll be back next week with another guest and another movie, and boy, oh boy, and it won't be next week, but we have an exciting January coming. Another McConaughey down the pipes. Can't wait. Final McConaughey. Then we're getting into Oscars before we know it. Oh, so exciting. So exciting.
All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Joe, thanks once again for doing the show tonight. Pleasure, guys. Always appreciate it. A new movie I haven't seen before. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week, listeners. Thank you so much. As always, we love you. Goodbye.